Make more birdies. A bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. This is not a tip. This is a prescription, trust me. Mm. If you don't, you will fall out of balance. Welcome to Birdies and Bourbon. Sit down and have a sip. Welcome back, everybody, to the Birdies and Bourbon Show. We're excited to have Colin from the Moonshine University on with us today. Colin, how you doing, my friend? I am Cheers. doing very well, doing very well. Uh, very happy to uh, be here and talking with you, gents, tonight. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, well, as are we. Um, so I, uh, we connected, I don't know, a few months ago and, uh, you know, tried to find a good time that would work out for you to come on the show and, uh, and educate us a little bit. Um, I mean, it is the, it is moonshine university after all. <laughs> and, you know, the, then, and kind of how I found you guys was over, I was looking at, um, uh, I don't know if you want to call it some certifications or just some education, right? And kind of how do I how do I progress outside of drinking a lot? How do I get better and become more educated? Because <laughs> because it's e it's easy for me to tell you, well, I like this and I like that, and you probably find with a lot of people, it's like, well, yeah, you can tell me that you like it, but can I tell you why I like it so that I then might be directed from someone else to say, well, hey, if you like that and you like those notes, you might like to go off in a di different direction, and. Um, I, I think you were saying earlier that um, that Moonshine University, you host or house uh, Stave and Thief, which is uh, what I just entered into, which was the <laughs> Bourbon Stewards, which is the kind of the first introduction. And, and then and you can kind of progress from there. So I'll stop for just a second. I, I maybe said a lot on an opening, but uh, you know, the reason that we kind of wanted you on the show and, and wanted to share the story is like myself, I reached out to a lot of counterparts in the virtual world and said, Hey, other than, you know, us getting on here and chatting amongst, uh, you know, Twitters or Instagrammers or whatever you want to call us. Um, is there something that kind of says, Hey, this is a little more, uh, formal, if you will, even though it may not necessarily be that way, but then, and I got, you know, and, and you guys came highly recommended from the recognitions and such that you give. So maybe for an opening and then I'll pass it over to you. Well, uh, thank you for that intro because, uh, it, it does really tee up what we do. So moonshine university is the country's first custom built educational distillery. Um, our, uh, boss, the guy who owns uh, Moonshine University and our sister company, Flavor Man, which is a beverage development company that's been around for 29 years and taken thousands of brands to market. Uh, he saw this, this kind of sea change happening in the industry about 12 years ago at Flavor Man when people stopped trying to be the next Red Bull and all of a sudden everybody wanted to, to open a distillery and start spirits and what have you. So he went and did some market research, uh, went to a few conferences and then came back and talked to, you know, us on the team. And he's like, you know, that building next door that we've just been sitting on. And we're like, yeah, he's like, we're going to build a distillery. And we're like, awesome. What are we going to make? And he's like, nothing. And we're like, say more words. You have to talk more after you say that. Uh, and he's like, there's, uh, there's about to be a huge boom in distillation, uh, craft distillers in the US and there's no place for them to go to learn how to open and operate their own distilleries. So he uh, kind of led the charge, put a team together. We went through all the licensing, permitting, bought all the equipment, figured out 
what Moon U was going to be, what the the curriculum needed to be. And from day one, uh, Moonshine University has been about professional distillery education. We've offered everything from a six-day distiller course, which is our flagship course, to two and three-day deep dives into botanicals, whiskey, fermentation, barrel aging, what have you. But that uh, six-day course is uh, a special one in our hearts. We've ran 30 of them so far. We have had people from all 50 states, 49 countries, and have helped 190 distilleries open around the world. Wow! So we're... Wow. Pretty proud of uh, that program and Moonshine University uh, at large. And not only um, their curriculum and the attendees that have come through, but we have become a hub of industry experts. Uh, we don't allow people to teach. We don't uh, make recommendations or pass, you know, anyone's email or phone number along to someone unless we, we have worked with them. We know people who have worked with them and know and trust them. And then after we have been doing that for a few years and really more business to business industry focused, we saw this need, uh, particularly here in Kentucky, because Kentucky wanted to be, you know, the, the Napa Valley of, of bourbon sure, and, you know, visitation and experience. But uh, a lot of the consultants who were coming in and advising the region on that number one was always like, Frontline hospitality doesn't know bourbon. You know, you can go to some bars, some restaurants, and people know their what have you. Uh, can we are, can we go blue on this show? Can I cuss? Yeah. Yo, you can say whatever the hey, listen. It is your show. You can say whatever the fuck you want to say. <laughs> oh, that is goddamn delightful. Um, so, uh, <laughs> amen. I'll drink to that. <laughs> yeah. So, and and it was something that we had seen ourselves. Just as we were getting more and more educated as um, professional distillers and uh, an educational facility, when we were out and about, we were hearing bartenders and servers answering questions about bourbon where we were like, whoa, that was wildly adventurous as far as an answer and not in any way correct. Um, so being that we don't have any brands, we're brand neutral, we're friends with everybody in the uh, industry, we put together the Stave and Thieves Society. Uh, we put together an advisory panel of Hall of Fame, uh, uh, Bourbon Hall of Fame, uh, master distillers and um, sure. people in the industry, bartenders, restaurant owners, hotel people, uh, and really over the course of, uh, about a year developed the first iteration of the Stephen thief program, which is a deep dive into all thing, all things, bourbon, um, and unbranded. So we get into production, science, aging, labeling, uh, the ins and outs and strip away all branding, all marketing. We do a ton of sensory. We give everybody a 36 cent aroma training kit because I originally wrote the classes, this two day experience and everybody on our advisory panel is like, I would never send someone for two days. Like you got to shorten it down to one day. Uh, so, and I'm one of those people who is just like, well, I'm not cutting anything. So I'm going <laughs> to truncate everything. Um, so all of a sudden my entire day of doing sensory, definitely got shortened, but I was like, okay, we can't spend a whole day doing sensory. So I'm going to do two hours with a kit that they can walk away with and continue training for the rest of their lives with. Um, so we were pretty big into making sure that people knew the ins and outs 
when they were talking about bourbon, they were being accurate. Uh, they were being informative. Uh, they were very aware of the entire process. And when they were talking about flavors and aromas, they knew where it would come from. And more than anything, and this is a very personal thing that was uh, the myself and the, the lady, Colleen Thomas, who helped me uh, develop this program, is we didn't want assholes. Uh, we did not want uh, to breed snobs, you know, like you go into the wine. Hold on, is that Colin just... and Colleen? <laughs> yeah, we were quite the team. I we, you. Well, you made that shit real easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all you need to do is start with a C-O and then start mumbling. And mm-hmm. both of us would just be like, yes. Somebody <laughs> says yes. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Someone will answer. Um, and, and that was a big thing for us because we really uh, were turned off by a lot of the people who would come through uh and meet us and be sommeliers or other things and not to speak ill of the sommelier program some amazing people are sommeliers but there's also a lot of assholes in the program yeah um and so we wanted to make that a very big thing that bourbon is a very very unique industry Uh, the spirits industry at large is a very unique industry but bourbon more than any is a very inclusive welcoming friendly um you know, industry and collection of people. And as we were helping adding to the, the industry experts, so to speak, we wanted to make sure everybody who came through uh, statement thief understood, like, you know, people get to drink whatever they, they want. You can advise and try to be, you know, give recommendations, but never belittle, never talk down, always be friendly, welcoming. Um, and yeah. you know, just charm them with your information, educate them and reel them in. Cause that is really the best way to, to make someone love mm-hmm. anything is not to talk down to them or assault them with your knowledge. It's make them love what you love by sharing the things that made you love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting, um, uh, I don't know, vantage point, if that's a, a fair way to say it, is that, you know, how do we how do we make sure that you're representing what I'm going to pour in the what what is, somebody made that you're going to pour in a glass? How do you make sure that you're representing it appropriately and you're actually explaining it to somebody? Right. Because probably one of the worst things that 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 somebody could, you know, I could have somebody over the house and I'm like, hey, pick a bottle. And they're like, here you go. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's spicy. And it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's got that peanut in there and it's got, you know, it, it kind of hits you with vanilla in the back end and somebody goes and they're like, Hey man, I want this thing that's spicy and it's got all this rye and it's got peanut. It's got, and then they drink it and they're like, well, shit, this isn't actually anything like what the guy just described to me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, it's like, I, I want my, I want my money back. This is horrible. That's not what right. I had at the guy's house. And it would, it would be like, you know, I had a, um, what am I, uh, It'd be like I had this Fiddler Georgia Hartwood, and then I sat down the uh, Overholt bonded beside of it, and I, I I told you one was the other, one was the you know, and it's kind of you know I just like just completely just fucked it up all the way around, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's great seeing people who come through the the class and just being really into bourbon and just seeing all of the the dots start to, to connect because you can talk about the science, you can take all the, the tours you want, but what we always do is, you know, you tell and then you reinforce with practical application. So mm-hmm. when we talk about, you know, the importance of grain, 
Well, automatically we start doing a flight of individual distillates that are made of just 100% wheat, 100% corn, 100% rye. Uh, and it's really interesting to see people when they learn about it, you know, you get the, the slight nods, they're like, sure, no, I get it. But then you see people tasting and they're, you know, just the like, oh, that's why, or that's how you get that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's just really cool um, to teach that class uh, and, and see it click for so many people and enjoy it. And I mean, truth be told, I think I've, taught that class almost 150 times now and it's a full day class Mm -hmm. still my favorite thing to do oh wow um one it's a just to watch the people connect and see the yeah and there's no one who's ever bummed to be in class right (laughs) it's not like economics 101 where half the class is just like gotta gotta check this off the list (laughs) um it's always people who are like fun and passionate ask really engaging questions and that's the other thing it it heightens my knowledge because there is no such thing as knowing it all um people refer to me as a bourbon expert and i i think i'm very knowledgeable uh, but it always reminds me of this uh, quote that my high school algebra teacher uh, said, where he's, he once told me, the more you know, the more you know you don't know. So it's one of those things, the more educated you uh, become, the more you realize you don't know anything. Um, and I am very much at that point where I'm like, man, I got a lot to learn. <laughs> but uh, even so, in every class so hold, I so, get, so Colin, can I? Yeah. Well, sorry. So, and, and so to the, but I, you know, I'd like to expand on that just a second. So you talked about, what are you drinking by the way over there? Uh, a, a wild turkey Say? 101. Hmm. I, Ooh, I, just I, a regular 101. Love it. Um, I, uh, don't, I, I mean, truth be told, I love bourbon. I love all spirits. Uh, but I am a, at a point in my journey where I am, head over heels in love with Irish whiskey. Mm. So as I was looking at my bar, I'm like, oh, okay, I've got two bourbons to choose from. So uh, I'm, well, if, I'm gonna... if, if you've got a good red breast 12 year or 15 oh. year uh, or, or even an 18, I mean, shit, I, I mean, I may go get one off, off the shelf and uh, have it you with you. You think if I had a red breast 18, I'd be here talking to you? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Noted, red breast, noted sir. I, I, that is so red breast is that that like special beautiful gorgeous type of whiskey that when i teach class and we you know we touch on uh different spirits uh or different whiskeys from around the world and every time i ask the class how many people are irish whiskey fans there's only a couple people who raise their hand i'm like I, I want to convert all of you. Uh, so I always make the recommendation. All, all, but all they, all they heard, all they heard was Jameson. That's yeah. all they heard. And it was, and it was pound, pounding shots and then chasing it with a, you know, kill the beer and then moving on. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Jameson is a, a well-made product, uh, but it, I don't it's think it's yeah. in, indicative of the entire category. But when you tell a bourbon lover, Hey, try a red breast, like that is your transition whiskey because it has all that deep, rich, beautiful barrel characteristic that you love in bourbon, but it has all the light, fruity, jammy notes that you're going to love in Irish whiskey. So it's just that. Then we can get into red dots and we can get into green. (laughs) If you want to get into all the spots, I mean, 
that that can become an expensive right. endeavor. So <laughs> I was lucky enough to actually go study uh, at Middleton Distillery, where they make um, red breast and all the the different you know color dots and very rare Middletons and everything. Got to try the entire line of spots, and they're spectacular. And I have never seen anything here in Kentucky other than yellow or green spot. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know that I see anything other than that in, in Atlanta either. So, yeah. Um, let's get to know. So, so how did you become, well, <laughs> right, or travel internationally <laughs> at some point in one day. Um, so so how did you become the, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like way backing up to where we should have started, but I was excited to get to talking <laughs> with you. I mean, it's like, shit, man, this guy teaches people, uh, you know, I wouldn't say, I w- there's probably not a right way to drink it. I mean, it's kind of really however you like it, but there's a way that right. you can learn about what you're drinking and then you can figure out how you want to drink it. So how did you become the individual that kind of that, that started setting this up and, and creating a curriculum? And uh, it's like, hey, we're going to go down this road. And somebody said, shit, that makes sense, Colin. Well, so it is so my life has been a little bit like uh, uh, Kramer's from Seinfeld. I just keep <laughs> falling backwards into one kind of fun opportunity after another um, and had a, a great life, a very. Um, interesting, varied background and was actually working at Flavor Man when Moon Yu was opening and I was working as their creative director doing uh, design work and copywriting, things like that. And then our first distiller was being trained in the distillery and it was this two-week program that they put together and it was just one person and I was like, well, I'm just going to sneak over there and hang out in the distillery and learn as much as I can before my boss, you know, the owner pulls me back over to flavor man or till, you know, they kick me out of the distillery, but no one called sure. me back. No one kicked me out of the distillery. So I spent two weeks in that distillery and two big realizations happened. One, I hate working in a distillery. You would think <laughs> that like, Oh, learning how to distill is amazing it's not, it, it's a lot of really hard work. Um, yes, it's, it's fun and there's aspects of it, but it's a lot of paperwork, a lot of lifting and a lot of staring at a thermometer in a hot, loud environment. Uh, but I did fall in love with the science and the application. So <laughs> after that happened, uh, I went after those two weeks, I went back, uh, to Dave, um, Defoe who, who owns Moon Yu, and just kind of talk to him. I'm like, Hey, I, I love this. I uh, want to really take all the things that I learned in film production and design classes like that. I want to throw the, the college curriculum and all that shit out the window that just bores people. And I want to uh, really tackle our classes as entertainment um, to where it's going to be high tactile, high um, sensory, um, and only pull the best presenters, um, which I knew would be a long road, but he was absolutely on board and kind of gave me a checkbook and the keys to the building. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely had to every week prove that what my choices were the correct one. But I, after about five years, I kind of started being left alone. Um, and me and my team got to, to run and, and grow the, the business, which, uh, we operate mostly off of reputation. I mean, yeah, we pay advertising and SEO like every country uh, or uh, every company. Sure. Um, but yeah. 
I mean, like you said, uh, if Moon Yu sounds tongue in cheek, and that's why we picked the name because it's actually memorable. Um, you know, you you can get lost in the sea of you know spirits copper distilling company and all these super forgetful names but people remember moonshine university yeah uh and so we are, knew are, the- are people ever like are, are people ever contacting you and they're like uh hey hold on just a second so I, I i see a bunch of bourbon i see a bunch of whiskey i see a bunch of it's like but it's called moonshine does it have to be moonshine or can it be something different so we literally today, I still answered calls um, <laughs> that were people just like, hey, I want moonshine or still's not working. Uh, so we still. Like, that was <laughs> that was either my brother or my aunt. <laughs> uh, that, that's my alter ego when I uh, sleepwalk. My wife tells me I just w- walk around and, and impersonating the, the yahoos that, that can call in from time to time. Um, but I will say it went from about a hundred phone calls a day, uh, with people saying that down to like one or two. Oh, yeah. So as we grew the company and our reputation, it definitely, the name and reputation outshine that, that tongue in cheek, um, sure. Origin name for sure. But yes, we still, I mean, literally not during COVID, but have people like show up and they're like, Hey, I want you to taste my moonshine and tell me what I'm doing wrong. I'm like, I don't know you. I'm just going to try a goddamn thing that you made. I'm not going to put my health at risk because you showed up at my door because you can use Google. No. It's like, this is the whole point of what we're doing here. Pour that out and come on in. Exactly. And, And there are definitely people that, that we, you know, they'll tell us like, well, I've been distilling for years and we're like, at home and they're like yeah and we're like so you theoretically distill we're like because that that's not legal um yeah but you know once they have come through class and shown that they actually have like wherewithal um there are people who are like can i send you some stuff and we'll be like yeah like obviously you're not going to kill us it might be bad but it won't be harmful so Mm. we'll we'll taste what you made there you go yeah, we've all had hangovers before. It'd be fine. Uh, so, but do you get a lot of, um, <laughs> but do you get a lot of, uh, I don't know, like, um, like birdies of bourbon and we like, Hey man, we want to make our own. This is not what this calls about. I'm just using this for <laughs> illustration purposes. Only. <laughs> illustration only. Uh, a sensory kit. We'd like to go through one of those with you on the show, but um, you know, as far as like, Hey, Hey, we, you know, we want to hammer down on, we, you know, we, we really, we think we know what we're doing. We want to do it. And, and am I, are we the type of people that would show up and do a class to kind of learn the, the, the inner workings of, Hey, this is how, and maybe I don't do a six day class. Maybe I do a, a workshop and I get a couple days in a workshop and then that'll, that allows me to graduate towards, Ooh, I want to know more and Holy shit. I'm excited about the work and then I can kind of grow into it. So uh, there, there are so many different avenues into like, deepening your knowledge or wanting to be more hands-on with production. And I mean, the issue with that is a distillery is expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so it is not a a cheap endeavor to do. Um, people balk at the prices of our classes and you know, the people who come through our classes say it's a value and we should charge more. And you're like, you're not on the opposite end of a lot of the calls we get. Um, (laughs) but the reality is, is, you you know, you come in and a lot of our classes, actually almost all of our classes have hands-on experience. 
And we've had people come through as bourbon stewards and, you know, take the more professional classes. And we've had people take professional classes and then just rent the distillery and do a private barrel themselves where they're like, I just want to make a barrel of whiskey for me. Um, how much to rent the distillery and your distiller. And I just make my whiskey. And we have done several of those types of really? barrels, but, the, nice. but that is, that's a special demographic. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. Understood. They don't care about the price so much as, well, how long are the days? When can I break to make phone call? You know, it's mm-hmm. yeah, people yeah, right, right, where right. you tell them the price and you're just like, and they don't bet an eyelash. At. Like, really? I just want to stand over here and watch you do it, but I want to be standing there when the important part happens so I can pour this into a jug and say, hey, this is mine. <laughs> well, we have plenty of classes where you can do that, uh, but we definitely do have programs. Uh, that, that we call my craft distillery where essentially people come in and we train them on every single aspect and they pick their mash bill, their yeast strain, how to cook, how long to ferment. And they do every little myopic thing. And myself and uh, our distiller, Clay Smith um, are there with them for eight days straight, just teaching, educating, uh, letting them do what they want to make their, uh, bourbon or whiskey, but also being there to be like, uh-uh, that's the wrong decision. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> nice. Oh, that is too good, man. Um, what? Well, I mean, this is awesome. I mean, I want to come and do all of them. I've got, uh, you know, I've got to, got to work at some point. So, uh, so, so I, so I can't do that. It's going to be a prolonged, uh, you know, effort, but, um, so it's so you're in the, you're in the heart of uh, you in Louisville downtown. We are so we are just one block outside of what is considered downtown proper. So still downtown, but not in the the hustle and bustle. Parking still easy in our neck of the woods. But yeah, we're in on on Eighth, one block south of Broadway in yeah, Louisville. Sure. Um, Wow. And it's a cool facility. Um, it's a 250 gallon batch system that we have. It's there hundred percent for class and education. We only do other things in the distillery when there's no classes going on. Um, so it is literally set up to teach and we just have a building full of different bottles for sensory. And when I say that, we don't care about commercially available stuff. People come in and sure. want to yeah. talk about, you know, every weird release wild Turkey did. And we love wild Turkey. Uh, but we would rather pull out the 97 experiments that we worked with 12 different distilleries to showcase how yeast strains make a difference or how barrel variations will impact the whiskey. Um, we're much more on the, nitty gritty science, uh, side of things, uh, as much as I think my staff is starting to hate me because we have zero storage. Uh, and I'm just like, we're going to do this experiment and we're going to bottle 20 cases of it and keep it so that it'll last us over the, the next eight years of classes. And they're like, where are we going to put it? And I'm like, like my desk is not the cubicle wall is gone and it's literally just case stacked. And I'm pretty much, uh, my knees go in between cases, like every spot. So it's ergonomically correct. <laughs> it, it's delightful. It is. It's perfect. But I, I would rather, uh, I, 
that's what you want when you come to a training facility. You don't want to be poured. And, and we do have a, a really large bar of commercially available products yeah, yeah, for sure. training. But the vast majority of what we pour is once in a lifetime stuff that you aren't going to get anywhere else. Because that's why you come to, to Moon You or Save and Thief to taste things that are going to educate you and be led through the sensory by an expert who is going to really take you to that next level of first level of just being able to pick something out and identify it, which is a big step that a lot of people don't realize how big of a step that is. Is like most people are binary, right? It's good. It's bad. So if you can pick out anything, you're doing all right. Um, but then to, to heighten that and then to be able to be like, okay, I love this nutty note. Here are the three places that this could have been developed and let me sit down and spend time with this whiskey and really think through all the different flavors and work backwards from this finished, you know, 10 year old bourbon. And I can go back in time with my education mentally and tell you probably how it was made and what type of cooperage it was in and um, different aspects of production. Cause I think that's way cooler than being able to be like, yeah, that's good. That tastes like Maker's Mark. <laughs> well, I mean, because again, I mean, and I, I wouldn't say that I, I would say I like to drink. Uh, that doesn't mean that I like to drink a lot, but I, it's like, I like to eat and you know, I'm, I'm like a, a short little scrawny guy. So, you know, so it's not necessarily, a, but, but I like to drink and I wouldn't necessarily say that it doesn't show sometimes. So, I mean, there's, there's a give and takes, you know, it, it ebbs and it flows, but you know, but I mean, I mean, that's the, I mean, I think that's the cool part is you can, you know, and, and to me, I mean, it's like, I don't have a lot of shit on the bar back here because it's like, Oh my God, I got to have a lot of bottles on the bar so I can, cause I'm going to drink a lot, but I like to drink a lot of different stuff, which is one thing that kind of really, uh, you know, just hearing you say, it's like, we've got shit that you ain't ever going to taste. Now, I, could I compare it to something? Possibly. I could say, Hey, wait a minute. That tastes a lot like, or, Hey, I think that was finished in a, and, and I'm not, hopefully I'm not putting words in your mouth, but the, you know, those are things that, that I, you know, that I can kind of, to your point, I can kind of, you know, tag onto and like, wait a minute, that was probably in a this, or it was in a that. And do you guys go down the roads of, um, when you said the word experimental, right? I mean, somebody at some point said, well, we're going to put this, we're going to put bourbon in, uh, a port cask and we're now not going to be able to call it bourbon. We're going to call it a port finished whiskey. Right. And, and that was, and we, not about the labels. Not, I don't mean that, but I don't, I, 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 I like it. It's not, I'm, I'm a fan and, and there's, there's, there's ones that are better than the other ones, but are you guys doing experimental things like, well, wait a minute, we haven't ever tasted one of these or we've only tasted one of them. And maybe you're not putting it in the barrel, but you're putting different staves and experimenting like with really different things. So we are to the extent that we have the capacity to do so. Um, we, uh, uh, two years ago, actually two years ago to the day, um, I hired away, uh, the head distiller from Corsair artisan distillery, a gentleman named Clay Smith and Clay had taught at Moon U for years and Corsair 
was the most, I mean, they still are. I mean, they're the most experimental distillery out there. Um, they've tried every type of grain you can imagine. They've smoked every type of grain with every type of wood you can imagine. They malt their own grains in weird ways. Like they are experimental. So by bringing on clay, it really brought a ton of that Corsair history and experimentation in-house um, to where even though we couldn't do all those and have them just sitting sure. around to, to taste, we do have that knowledge base that um, when someone asked me something super like, hey, Colin, what if you put hay in a whiskey barrel while it aids? I'll be like, clay! <laughs> And he was like, oh, actually, we did that with two different variations. And, like, he'll go on and on. I'm like, what But why? Like, why? hey, taste this and tell me how you, which way you want to go. Yeah. Um, so that's very awesome that, that we have that to, to pull on. And we do as much experimentation as we, we can. Uh, but, again, we, like I said, we don't sure. have storage. So we have about yeah. 60 spaces for barrels and we're always maxing out that space and just trying to cycle through experiments and get things through so, so, so what you're saying is you don't have any spaces for barrels i'll, I'll make room <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah and, and there are things uh that that happen like uh if we do uh, a whiskey course and a malt whiskey is made Yep. And, you know, Clay and I are like, dang, this is a pretty good new make. Like, we'll start calling barrel companies and be like, like, we want a used or older also barrel. Um, we want, you know, like we want a used Heaven Hill barrel that we're going to age this in for about two years. And then we're going to roll it over in, into this type of barrel. Or, you know, we're going to smoke the inside of this barrel or we'll do a, an absinthe wash. On, we, we do some weird stuff but it's very much for uh clay and i to have drinks and giggle about <laughs> like a, like a barrel aged sazerac <laughs> kind of like we've done some weird stuff and i will say we have made a lot of trash we have really fucked up a lot with some of the things that we thought were going to be great and we're like oh ho, ho. Ah, that was not a good decision four years ago. <laughs> no, but think, but think about what you're now going to give somebody the opportunity not to do. Absolutely. I mean, and that's <laughs> those bad things that we make go into the library, just like everything else, because even bad things were, and, and we love it when someone calls us and say like, Hey, we had a fermentation go wrong or something. And we're just like, send us the distillate, like send us anything because to us, those flaws, those bad things yeah. are just as important as the good things. Because mm -hmm. that really showcases like, this is what a bacterial infection tastes like. And people are like, oh, that's horrible. And we're like, that's why that you have just to clean went, your that, equipment. That. <laughs> so this is where this just went in the wrong direction. We have never <laughs> talked about bacterial infections before. The last time we did, Dan got a trip to the free clinic. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> no, hey, so, but, but you're talking about the sensory, uh, you've got it. And I've seen the little, you're, you've got a sample box and you've got, uh, I don't know, 60 or 70 items in there and you, you've, they've kind of labeled, this is what you can get out of them. And, and, you know, you smell them. So if we could spend, if you've got a few more minutes to spend with us, 
Um, so it, as far as knowing, cause I mean, we can all taste shit. That's good. Right. It, and, it, and it doesn't even have to be great. It's just like, well, that's not off putting. I like, I can drink that. Yeah. But, but when you go to something like, how do you start to get the bad notes in something? Well, that's an interesting question because the way it's phrased does not take into account preference. Uh, and the reality is, is preference is a really big part of this because I have people, you know, and there's a huge segment out there that love upper aged bourbons, right? Like they'll sleep uh, a businessman who, you know, wouldn't run it, run it, it through the anything. pipe, put wood in it and let me uh, suck on it as hot as can be. Yeah. But, you know, they'll sleep out in front of a store for two days to get a bottle of whiskey when they wouldn't, you know do hardly anything else um out of the ordinary uh and for me i don't like it like upper age bourbon for me i can you know appreciate what's going into it but i mean literally i've seen people you know like i'll come over and people want to kind of show off like special bottles and be like you'll appreciate this and start to like and i'm like whoa nope 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 don't save that for someone else uh <laughs> what's that give me that dusty bottle of heaven hill for you on the back that looks delicious um <laughs> however they did do a great job with that new seven year bottle and bond release i thought the heaven hill oh yeah yeah, I mean, he- Heaven Hill could just have the still running directly into a barrel that pours directly into a bottle, um, and it's aged less than two seconds, and it would taste good. Heaven Hill, I mean, their their whiskey is spectacular. Um, but I, I do think that that is one of the largest hurdles is to make people realize there is a, a personal preference that goes along with this. Now, as far as outright flaws, that it, it, it takes time and experience because there can be times where you'll taste a whiskey. Um, and I think one of the largest issues that a lot of the large um, kind of older distilleries sure. are running into um, when they upped pr- production, if they're pulling from a, a natural water source, um, they're getting more geosmin than they normally would. And that's earthy. And it's kind of a musty earthiness. It's um, something that once you get trained on it and you're familiar with it and you taste it, you're like, mm-mm. But, no, but, but go back. You, I mean, you're, you're drinking Turkey 101. I don't know. We could cut this out if you need to. We don't have to. But, I mean, you're drinking Turkey 101, and I think you get some great turkey bottles that are like that they're just musty but they're yeah. good i mean that's yeah. like a, a like a that's something that i look for in in like the rye 101 i don't get it as much in the barrel proof uh i definitely get it in some of the 101s and it's not like a bad musty it's just a different yeah. musty well and 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 that's the thing so uh there, there's a earthy mustiness that is like nice and it adds kind of body and a, a, a basey foundation um, to the overall flavor. And then it can go too far where it, it's a, a, a fault. And it's one of those weird things where, you know, if that distillate, the exact same distillate was coming at, or out of barrels at all these different distilleries, it depends on what products are being made. Some distilleries might market as a flaw. Other ones are like, perfect. That's, you know, the goal. Um, 
but uh you know that earthy mustiness um some people like when it's too far i don't think i've ever really seen when we serve high jasmine samples you can kind of see everybody's face in class just be like <laughs> yeah that's that that's when it's a fault it's gone too far um and then anytime that there's like a, a bacterial infection and you get too much lactic acid um produced during fermentation and it kind of makes this like sour milk baby vomit aroma and flavor that that's there um or high butyric acid which uh is also kind of like vomit or lighter fluid um because butyric acid is actually what builds up in your your stomach before you mm. throw up so it kind of reminds you of vomit. i've actually had moonshine that tasted like that <laughs> here we go that, well and, and if that's the case they had a bacterial infection because in during fermentation which probably, is something we see yeah. moonshines are a dice roll because if someone's not cleaning and you know doesn't care that much and all their goal is create alcohol man you you don't know what you're getting and you don't know if they're making good cuts so you could have tons of like acetone and methanol and acetaldehyde and propyl alcohol and all that funky stuff in there that is you know, it might not be objectionable, but it is going to wreck your next day. Right. <laughs> and and maybe, maybe your insides, right? I mean, it, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Well, this is awesome, man. I mean, I could sit around and uh, go get another. <laughs> could I, I, could, I could actually get the, the. This jar is clean and it's good. No, so they said. <laughs> Boy. And they said to shake it up and see if it bubbles. You know, you don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> What's. The bubble thing. I don't get it. So the one interesting thing. So Clay and I, we went to uh, Mexico. Um, Oaxaca. Study. We, we weren't, we were actually in tequila. Okay. Um, and we were studying at some tequila distilleries and a couple mezcal ones. And the mezcaleros, they, they have a way of proofing their spirit that, I mean, people would tell me about it. And I'm like, no way that, there is this is a magic trick there is something happening here that they are not revealing but literally what they take is uh when they're proofing their spirit they take a bowl and fill it and then they blow bubbles into it and how the bubbles form and group and everything and they'll tell you the proof wow they're within a couple proof points because we were like we're like, how are they doing this? I'm pro- like, I've, they- I've still got five or six bottles from Oaxaca a few years ago. And like, literally we're riding in a, uh, you know, an SUV and like we're in the countryside in Oaxaca and it's the city of Oaxaca is very metropolitan and, and very, uh, you know, there's, it, it's a great place when you get out in the country in Oaxaca, you start, things start running through your mind like an hour outside of there. And it's like, you know, I, I start watching the damn, what's our, what's the movie? Um, which one? Sicar- oh. I, I start, oh, Sicario. I start thinking Sicario. Oh, you know? <laughs> I'm thinking, and I'm like, I'm like, no, no, wait a minute. There's no, I don't see anybody in the You're car with looking for dust in the horizon. Just right. 
I'm looking for where, where are the, uh, you know, where are the helicopters that are going to protect me? And I'm thinking like, shit, man. And we pull up to these little, you know, Adobe, I'll, I'll call them Adobe, but the cinder block houses for the most yeah. part. And this dude's out here and he's like whipping this stuff up in a kiln, essentially. I mean, it, it's a, a still, but Eric it's got a, a pot. Right. And I'm like going, I don't know if we can drink out of that. And he rinses the, you know, cut off, um, Coke water, bottle. water, or water, yeah. that water for the video, but a water bottle. Yeah. And he's like, uh, you know, see, it's uh, bueno. <laughs> I'm like, I guess I'll drink now. Yeah. No, it, it, that was some crazy stuff because literally like going and seeing someone distill in a terracotta pot still, how's this work? Like, how does this function? And you kind of see their setup and you're like, oh, all right. Like I understand how it functions. I guess, but then you taste the product off of it and you're like, Oh wow, this is, Oh, it functions just fine. Yeah. It's great. I'm, I'm going to send you some, actually. I, I've still got some left. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, oh, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll get you. <laughs> I, so uh, send me your, if I don't have your address, I should send it to send it to me. And, and yeah. we should get back on and do a, a record. But it's like, it, it's like set your soul free stuff. Oh man. If you want to do a mezcal yeah, uh, episode, I'm, in and i mean we uh like we can do a little sample swap because we'll send you some uh kind of like sotals and uh ricias did you ever oh, yeah. taste any of the sure. ricias yeah, yeah like i don't know what like, you have but i mean i'd like i'd love like to taste rotting cheese <laughs> ricias are funky uh but yeah definitely talk about that but uh when we got so here's the type of place moon you is when clay and i got back from mexico we're just like, all right, we got to build a terracotta still. So like we hired a pot thrower. Did you really? <laughs> we did. And uh, had one made up. We went out into our courtyard and dug out a whole pit and put in a fire, uh, you know, propane source, not natural fire like uh, they have. And then clay got, you know, solder and copper plating and hammered out the condenser cap himself and wow uh, you know had like fresh water like running into the top and over we used corn leaves from some corn stalks that were accidentally growing in the courtyard as like the drip pan <laughs> i mean it was ridiculous so nice. did you make mezcal i mean uh, the proverbial mezcal yeah so we did it in that style so we were having an agave spirit class and we made a uh, agave wash that we split. We did part of it in that terracotta pot still and the other on our traditional, you know, copper pot still. Yeah, yeah sure. And uh, Clay and I set the whole thing up because we were tasting it and we're like, is it the romance? Like, God, like the stuff coming off the terracotta pot still tastes so much better. But we were convinced, like, it was, like, the romance and the fact that we traveled to Mexico and we were inspired. Um, But then we poured it blind for everybody in class, and 100% of the people picked the terracotta pot. No shit. So there's something to it in the way that you – Because if you're going 100 – if you're going agave and you're going down that road, I mean, there's – I mean, there's got to be a reason that they're still down there doing it. Yeah. And that also – going down there and seeing how it's produced – was the first time I understood the price point. Because some mezcals, I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. No, Why? It, that is laborious, dude. When they're, I mean, you're out there macheting, or no, it's actually, it's like a, it's like a, 
If, if you're a, 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 a koa de hima, yeah. It's just if like you're a, from the country, spoon. Yeah. Oh, wow. If you're from the country, I would call it a straightened hoe, but it's more like an axe <laughs> on the end of it, and you're like literally like just axing this thing off with this straightened hoe thing that you would like. It, it is. It, it's like it's hard. Like you see the guys do it, and then they'll hand you the the hema, and you're just like, ah, oh, okay. Oh, you know, that, if that guy ever at- hit any of us, I mean, Ooh. he would probably just kill it. I mean, we'd be dead. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> they showed us how sharp it was by just kind of like lightly slicing it across leather, and it just fell apart. And we're like, yeah. oh, wow. Oh goodness. Oh boy. Um, but that whole process is crazy, and the fact that they're making that mezcal in those terracotta pots, or you know, certain brands. Uh, and you're talking. 15, 20 gallons at a time. They can only make 100 cases a year. Well, yeah. but you got to bury, you got to smoke, you got to do, I mean, there, there's yeah. all those, I mean, it is, it is a very laborious process and I'm like going, I don't know why it's not more expensive. Yeah. It's like, how do you yeah, get so, that? How do you, how do you move it? I know you can't call it mezcal technically, but how do you get that in a, and I guess that's the reason you can is because somebody will show up at your door being like, sir, you can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, that, yeah. that has geographical protections. You can't use mezcal or uh, tequila, but the reality is, is you really can't do what they do. Even the, so the agaves that are grown in Texas and California and parts of the Southwest, are good, good, you know, inulin and sugar content. Um, and there's really good product, but man, it just does not taste like what is being produced south of the border. Mm. Uh, um, and, and granted, they can't call it mezcal or tequila, so it's, you know, agave spirit. And yeah, you there's just a lot like... of craft brands out there that it's good, but man, it's nothing like. Um, you de- there's again, definitely a romance thing here. It's a romance? <laughs> I, I mean, when I pulled up to that little uh, cinder block building and that dude was whipping that stuff around, I mean, I was like, uh, yeah, this is like, I can't really get past this because this is good. <laughs> and and the guy's like, and not only that, I mean, he probably had, and we went to multiples that day. So uh, we went to multiples that week. So we were feeling really good at the end of every day, right? <laughs> and and it's not you didn't walk into one and it's like, hey, here's my two, here's my two choices. You've got like six, seven, eight, maybe ten choices, and then they get and then you get to the kind of more um uh, nostalgic's a bad word. The, the more traditional people that are like, no, 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 no. This is what my grandfathers and great grandfathers brewed it with. And you're talking about, you know, I'm, I'm like, shit, it's like I'm back in Tennessee again. Uh, you know, we're, yeah. <laughs> so well, it, it was it, interesting. And it's, and I know this is, you know, a bourbon show that we're talking a lot about. <laughs> no, on. no, we, we um, always get on different plat paths for sure. But the, the one thing that, really blew me away is the you know all the different kinds of agave the you know it's the weber blue for tequila but the one mezcal that i fell in love with was tepestade and that was before i realized you know the price point and how hard it was but it's literally like people go out with like their son and they'll be like oh here's a tepestade agave you'll come back when you're with your son in 40 years and harvest it like wait what and it only grows in like cracks and you know mountainsides and it's super 
weird and rare and of course you know because it has to fight uh bro it tastes so much better viva viva la mezcal uh yeah. no but but i mean but that's the that's the whole thing and it, don't think about it as bourbon i mean think about it as a spirit world well that's a, that that's a, i didn't mean it in that Woo! meaning i did i didn't mean i didn't oh, mean boy. it in that meaning i'm just saying the seance <laughs> no 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 but think about it in the spirit of what it is and it's i mean you you opened up with you know it's bourbon and and hey we want to educate people and we want to get people that when you're when you're introducing this spirit which is bourbon or mezcal or uh, Irish whiskey or scotch or gin. I'll probably stop there, but it, but I mean, but, but that's the avenue that, you know, it's like if, I mean, if somebody offers me mezcal or tequila, I mean, I, I would never, I would never go. There are some good tequilas. Don't get me wrong, but I'm always going for mezcal. I mean, just because it's more of a, it, it fits my palate and it's the direction that I would rather, I would rather have that smoky, almost, whiskey drink than that kind of and and i'd like some tequila i i like yeah. some añejo and then and, and you know there, there's i can go down the road of plenty that i would love to drink and i have some at the bar but it's like <laughs> if i'm if i'm gonna drink something neat and i'm gonna sip it i i would let me have it this way and that's uh, you know they, and there's so much when we were, you were talking about flavor profiles and such earlier and the way that you can pick things out i mean that's really the direction that you can go with a mezcal that you can also go with a bourbon or a whiskey that i don't know you can go there with the, with a tequila it's just a little different for me oh tequila is uh, and i'm a fan and i'm much more on on your team as far as given my druthers i would pick a mezcal over a tequila but after spending time down in tequila and at all the distilleries and kind of going through i think one of the largest things that really helped me understand the the flavor profile was like eating the, the agave after it had been roasted. Sure. And, and that was a big step forward for me. But then sitting down with, you know, the experts in uh, tequila and like having them walk through flavor profiles. And I find that when I'm getting into a new spirit, it is so helpful to kind of walk through with an expert because I'm always like, I am getting probably 10 things that I know, but I can't quite put my finger on. And then someone is, you know, and for me, and I, it, years of drinking tequila and never occurred to me. And then someone was just like, oh, that green pepper note. And I was like, oh, that's it. <laughs> that's, that's the thing that I could never name, but I always had on the tip of my tongue. Yes. So I think there is a little bit of handholding uh, that definitely helps with the the early identification with, you know, the big things that you get out of any spirit. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's probably one of the more fun things about your, uh, about, uh, about moon you or moonshine university.com <laughs> is, but, but seriously, I mean, it's it like, like it's, you know, you can sit around and drink by yourself and, and you can just taste what you're drinking and you get whatever you're getting. And it's probably whatever you had to eat or whatever you had to drink before, whatever you're thinking about is what's on your mind, childhood experiences. But as soon as you start sitting around and cracking something with individuals, 
And, but it's, how do you start talking about like, what are we drinking? And, and I, I mean, that, I, that's, that's what you offer. I mean, that's kind of what I'm, you know, in, in looking, you know, within going through the first step of saving thief. I mean, that's kind of where it's, it's leading you down the road of, do you really want to go down this road or is that enough? And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always intrigued and I always want to learn more because I, my appetite is, is such that, I really want to know what I'm drinking and I want to know what, what am I missing about a bottle that I said, eh, that bottle really wasn't for me. And did right. I miss something in that bottle? And mm. I mean, and again, perfect tea up because that is very much what we try to arm people with, with Stephen Thief. Right. Um, the, the whole objective of that class is to really help people uh, be more knowledgeable about every single flavor if they like it, if they don't, you know, and, but then trying to figure out what caused that flavor that they liked or didn't like. And, you know, we, we hope that that very kind of intense day long class will give them the information to, I, I, you know, I don't know the, the, the divining rod, right? Like then they can walk around and find the things that they like, hopefully stripping away the branding and marketing, which is really big for us because branding and marketing is way more impactful than uh, people like to admit. Again, yeah. you know, you know, Clay and I, the romance. Mm -hmm. um, so once you strip all that away, is it really the best thing? Uh, He'll be back. He'll come back. Okay. Sorry, I'm <laughs> cutting you. There he is. What are you saying, Cal? Uh, did I make it back? You're back. Yeah. Yeah. You're well, no, I was saying, I mean, the, the, the branding is, and you said you started out, you were on the marketing and branding side. I think you said, right, Colin? Yes. For uh flavor man, which is yeah, different than the, the spirit side. Cause we were, yeah. Flavor man is a, a whole different uh, conversation just because they're the, the wizard behind the curtain. Uh, we'll say we'll save let's save that because we don't we don't want to keep you uh, over your uh, we, no we can stay as long as you want you may not want us to be on as long as you want so <laughs> so, so we have something that, uh, that we can actually put out but we would love to get on about that again but but I'd like to if you don't mind from a from a marketing and branding standpoint I mean you you know we mentioned some. Um, some aged uh, liquors that people stand in line for and, and they could or could not be overpriced. Uh, there's lots of, you know, it's, it's all, you know, I, I call it the Coke and Pepsi, right? And it's like, you, you got to have shelf space and you got to make sure people know where to look on the shelf to find you. Sorry. I hope that's not a bad way to put it, but I mean, but like literally when you walk into a liquor store, well, if not, well, shit, I just ordered all online or I would go to, uh, I'd go to, you know, to, I, I just know what I get and I'd walk in and get, the, the black label every day, but that's no, that's no fun for me. I don't like that. And, you know, it, it's, and I grew up in a very rural part of East Tennessee where 
the limited choices I, I didn't appreciate. And it wasn't just about drinking booze. It was in general. And, you know, somehow I said, I want to drink all these and I don't want to drink them all at one time, but I want to drink them all a little bit of a time. And I actually picked a high enough proof that they can sit on a shelf for some time. And they'll st- they actually may get better if they sit there for a little while, they may get worse, but yeah. I mean, some of them I may not have paid uh, yeah. SRP. going to change. Yeah. But, but it could be, could be a good thing. So I think it's very interesting in, in the framework that you've got set up that allows people to educate themselves on. Um, it, and I don't know, Hey, if you don't have this, how do, how do you do a class on, uh, like an amateur, like myself or Dan, and how do you train me to, um, to buy the right bottle at SRP before it gets, uh, you know, before it's, before it goes in the wrong direction. Oh man, that, that's a rough one. Cause I, I, uh, not popular, but I hate, uh, secondary market. I think there should be absolutely no secondary market. Um, that is just driving the the price up. I think it's bullshit. Um, it is literally people who are making profit, right? They, they don't like the whiskey. So if you take away the secondary market, crack down hard on that, cause it's, it's illegal in almost every state. Kentucky, it, it became legal a, a few years ago. I, I think uh, it's horrible. I think it's horrible. Stipulations. But I, I, you, you would think that along with that, I would hate limited uh, releases, which I don't. Um, I Shouldn't. wish that they were easier to get, of course, because who doesn't want... I, I'm not going to sleep out in front of a liquor store. I'm not going to do anything else but it is a way for the spirit shop owner which is if if you're not a big box store you know that spirit shop and my favorite spirit shop here in, in louisville is westport whiskey and wine and it's tiny but god they have the best selection um do they upcharge spe- they upcharge not at all my fa- um, my favorite in Atlanta is my friend's bottle shop, and if they, if it's available and you're a frequent shopper and they know who you are, they don't upcharge either. And that's the point. It's don't be a dick. That's, and that's don't what be I love. a dick. Yeah, and so that's what I love is it actually helps drive a lot of that good consumer for smaller businesses because Westport Whiskey and Wine is not only great for every whiskey it's great for every spirit and every great craft spirit for a small shop it is unbelievable um but we at moon U buy all of our spirits there mm. one of the owners teaches at our classes um i personally buy all my spirits there and between me and moon U, trust me that is a lot of liquor mm-hmm. and we don't hit the minimum to get those limited release. Bottles. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that is now that's, uh, I need to meet whoever this person, I, I mean, or whoever the persons are that are above that. Cause I'd love to be there. I, I don't even need to be their friend. I'd just like to have them on the show. Yeah. And it's big time. Huh? Yeah. Dropping. Yeah. Um, hmm. but I think, yeah, it, it, it's cool that that it, it allows, those shop owners to be like, have those relationships. Like 
look, if you want these limited release, we have to have that, that relationship and you have to come here and we have to educate you. And hopefully it's that type of shop. That's about educating and bringing people in and sharing the knowledge and expanding people's, you know, no one's buying $20,000 of Jack Daniels right. a year and then getting a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle. Right. 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 Um, so hopefully they're, they're getting more education and latitude from the shop. And I think that is unless, one of the, let's it's single barrel or rye. I ain't buying a Jack Daniels at all. <laughs> <laughs> no offense um, to Jack Daniels. I'm just, but that's what, but that's all I could drink. And I grew up in East Tennessee, man. It was like, oh, we're having Jack and Coke. And I'm like, I don't drink Coca-Cola and I don't drink Jack anymore unless it's uh, something different. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think that limited allotment, limited release gives a lot more, power to the shop owners as far as like trying to build like a, a good consistent base. I also think it gives a little bit too much power. Do you have a large, uh, base that are distributors that listen to your show? Cause, uh, I, I love distributors, but this is going to no, piss them off. No, no, um, it's more, more, uh, end speak, users more. Freely, speak freely, <laughs> speak freely, too much power to distributors to make shitty deals. Oh, mm. you want, you want the Buffalo. You got about 20 cases of this and you get two of these. Yep. This bar, if you want the antique collection, guess what? You've got to have, you know, the, uh, what is it? Uh, the, the, the Wheatley vodka as your well and yada, yada. Oh, yada. Dude, listen to this. I went into a, I went into a liquor store in Rome, Georgia about a month ago and, uh, she had just got in, uh, George T. Stagg Jr. And, and I said, I'll take, uh, two, no, no signs, no anything. They just had them set out. I said, I'll take two of these cause I didn't want to be greedy, but I'll take two stags. And she said, uh, okay, that'll be, uh, I don't know whether the number came up to be, it was like, uh, you know, $387. I'm like, Whoa, well, it says there are $69 on the shelf, which is fair, fair market price. Right. Yeah. Or it was 79, whatever they were. And I'm like, well, but is the, is the price on the shelf not the same as what you ring up? And she's like, no, no, you have to buy two cases of wheat. You have to buy a case of Willie vodka with the stag junior to get the, um, to get the stag. So if you don't buy a case of Wheatley and I'm like, well, you made a bottle because she's like, no, no, you got to buy a whole case. And I, you know what? I politely put them back on the shelf and I said, thank you for displaying those. And I'll see you later. If it would have been Jen, I'd have probably bought it. If it would have been Jen, I'd have probably, if it would have been Jen, I'd have bought it. I just, I don't drink vodka. There's no reason. Why, why would I drink vodka? Yeah. And uh, vodka is uh, an interesting spirit that, uh, again, uh, it's bourbon before it ever begins, but I, 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 I don't drink it, but I have the highest respect for it because it is literally the hardest spirit to make. Mm. Um, to, to really? actually, oh my God, when you get into the science and engineering and like the goal of vodka to make it, it's really hard. Hmm. Um, and, and to do it correctly. And, but here's the reason like so many people think like, ah, vodka. Uh, because if you do it correctly, you get to the same end point, right? It's pure ethanol. That Bourbon. is the goal is it's pure ethanol so if you're making vodka correctly all the big brands 
pace to like because they hit the goal. It's the same <laughs> endpoint. Yeah. Now, you know, which reminds me of my favorite joke in the spirits industry. Have you ever tasted marketing? <laughs> Try vodka. Um, vodka. Like that. Yeah. Vodka. Right? Because, I mean, you can pour Svedka and Grey Goose next to each other. Yeah. And no. I'll tell you, there's a hand. common consumers. Nope. No one's going to tell the difference. There is a handful of professionals that would be able to tell the difference. Yeah. So, so hold on. So this is an interesting point and we don't need to leave, but it could get ugly if we keep drinking, but we don't need to leave, but this is an interesting endpoint. So what you're telling me is, uh, 90% of the vodka is on the shelf. If I did a side by side run down through everything, there's no reason that I should pay more for any other vodka. And I should always buy the cheapest one. No, that's not, really not the cheapest. So the, here's the thing. So first off, if you look at your vodka aisle at your store. I don't have a vodka aisle here, sir. Yeah. Um, but if you went to your <laughs> bottle shop, odds yes, are about 60 to 70% of the vodka is coming from one place. It's going to end up in a yep. lot of different brands, but yep. all the big, huge distilleries that have a house of brands, right? So they have a brandy, they have a whiskey, they have a yeah, yada, yada, yeah, yada. Yeah. They're buying their vodka somewhere else. They know the price point. They cannot match the quality and beat the price point of large scale producers that sell in bulk, period. So the, yes, you're not going to be able to tell the difference, the vast majority of them, because they're going to be the same. Mm. Um, now, I will say if you, and I think this is one of the best ways to actually understand like the beauty and delicate nature, nature of um, uh, vodka is um, the, the Chopin vodkas. If you can go to a place that has all three, or if you want to invest to buy them, um, they make a wheat, a rye, and uh, a, a potato vodka. And putting those three, and you have to do it neat. And that's the other thing about vodka. Almost no one drinks it neat. No. So after you I'll put take it on cold and flavored. <laughs> yeah. And that's how most people drink it. Even, you know, if it's not a flavored vodka, they're adding something to it, which is the flavor. But if you actually drink those neat, you can actually taste a very beautiful difference between them. But again, how many consumers drink vodka meat? No. In this country, <sighs> no one. Nobody. Yeah. 0.0001% of the people. Definitely not deleted. That is not getting deleted. No, no. It's not getting deleted. Yeah. Oh shit, Colin. Um, I've had a hell of a time. It's been a fun time. Uh, so yeah. this has been great. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can keep running, but I, I want to be able to do another show with you. Yep. Sure. And if we keep, if we keep going, Dan's going to do a lot of fucking editing and Dan's going to say like this Colin, hey, like you and Colin are not going to, no, I'm sending Mescal. Um, so I need to, so just, uh, at some point in time and be in a dress, I'd rather let's do it uh, Q1 that way it actually yeah. makes it because 
it's uh, we're holiday season and it's going to get squirrely. However, mezcal is a great holiday drink, by the way. I mean, just with the smoky and the campfire. I mean, that's fucking it's it's great. Um, uh, holiday. It's an any time drink, really. Uh, but I agree. If you if you want to do uh, a mezcal or agave spirits. Um, yeah, we can swap samples. Um, we have, again, from doing that agave class, we have a huge catalog of every weird type of agave spirit made, and we can taste some beautiful and some not beautiful. <laughs> so, and Dan and I would like to do, um, is it possible to do like a virtual, like a sensory class with you like this, like, and we sure. could like publish it. And we, we could do it live on Instagram or we could do it live anywhere. I don't know. I mean, if we're drinking, we're just, if we're just smelling and not drinking, well, that ain't going to be fun. But, uh, no. I mean, if we, if we, no, no, so we'll do it in this form. We'll let's do it on this format that way we can have a drink or two, but we would love to do that sensory format so we yeah. can, uh, or for, I, I don't know what you call it, but, um, you know what you call so it. how about this let's uh set up a time to do uh, uh a whole session where we can explore the three different flavor sources for bourbon and we'll explore uh grains yeast and barrel aging perfect and we'll we'll set up probably uh, if we're going to limit it to an hour, try to keep it to like 10 different things to, to kind of taste through, but we'll go through and talk about the importance of each different step and just kind of taste and talk through those different things. Perfect. Yeah. That's nice. Well, that's up to, we yeah. can limit it to whatever you want to, but, uh, yes, that's a great start. Perfect. Uh, and I think, I think it's a good avenue for people to go down and, uh, and I can't wait to get into this damn mezcal with you. I've got this one that this <laughs> dude, I swear to God, oh this dude said in, in his best Mexican, uh, no, 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 no. In his best Spanglish, because he oh was, he was speaking, he was speaking, um, <laughs> he was speaking Spanish. And I was trying to speak Spanglish also. So in my best, whatever, it, it got awkward and he was like, no, 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 pollo, pollo, pollo futo, pollo futo. And I'm like, Pechuga. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Pechugas. I'm sending some of that your way. Yeah. He was saying chicken feet and I'm, oh yeah. Oh, I'm sending it. I'll label them. I've got them all labeled. You you don't have to drink it. You can, you can wash your hands with it and. What'd you think? Because I thought, um, well, I tell you what, that was one of the, I, this was another cinder block house and there was this little kid running around the back of it. And, uh, and I'm like, what? And like, is this little kids over here yelling? And I, I, I walk over and I, this is going to be weird, but I walk over and I look and this little kids waving and yelling. And I'm like, well, I don't want to go look, but the kid's like, Hey, hey. I go over and look and the kid's like pointing and he just took a shit on the back of the center. So I'm like, well, at this point in time, I'm, I'm taking, they don't have indoor plumbing out there, man. I mean, it is, this is like, this is outhouse territory. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, Hey, I, I'm, I guess I'm taking whatever he gives me because this is one of the places that you could die in Mexico, oh boy. <laughs> yep. oh boy. but sure it's is. not. And I would recommend it to everybody else. Hmm. 
So what do you think of the Pachuca, though? Because I only had one, and I thought it was kind of gross. But I had Here's a, what a I th- co-worker who had a different Pachuca and loved it. Uh, here's what I think about the Pachuga. I think the Pachuga has, uh, it's got like a salty, briny. Um, you, this is going to be weird. Have you ever brined a turkey? Yeah. All right. And then I'm a goddamn American. Of course I have. <laughs> America. Okay. So I, I thought that it tasted like smoky tequila brine. Oh. And I'm like, that could go really good in a cocktail. I don't necessarily need to just pour it back straight, but that could go really good with a little simple syrup or a little agave syrup and uh, maybe a squeeze or two of uh, some of those little uh, baby limes. And uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, that, that what I had was a very uh, kind of headsy, so solventy and like fatty um so so imagine someone trying to dissolve a chicken with acetone that's kind of what i tasted and it was horrible so so it's like eating chicken feet at dim sum it's like very gelatinous and uh not very good yeah no no that my my, no i I only got the salt actually i didn't mind it too now that i'm thinking about it it was really, I could just, uh, you know, and most of the time I wouldn't take tequila with a lime. I, it's like, if I'm drinking tequila, it should be the right tequila and I can just take it back. And this was stuff that I would have just, uh, added a lime and maybe shake it on ice and could have added a little vermouth, maybe, maybe. And, um, had like a martini. What kind of vermouth? Well, that's an interesting point that you bring that up. We do, we're just on the phone with uh, Black Button the other night, and he yeah. sent us this one. Do you, are Love you a vermouth guy. man? Love that guy. <laughs> yeah, Which he's one? He's black, the Black Button guy. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brett, you tell me uh, the name, and I'll uh, tell you if that's who I talked to. Jason, Jason, Jason Barrett. But Jason is Jason Barrett is the family owner. Uh, I don't know. Jason Barrett is the the guy that was. Um, he's connected with Canoct. Canoctin. Yep. And Canoctin yeah. uh, Creek. They're actually on the show. But are, do you, are you a vermouth guy? Love vermouth. Yeah. Fuck. We're uh, ruined. <laughs> We're ruined. <laughs> And man, right, if you want so to get into aromatized wines, oh, you need to talk to our distiller Clay. That guy will blow your mind. He opened my world of vermouth. <laughs> he he found me as a supple young spirit drinker. <laughs> <laughs> Colin, you know we're gonna put this out to the air. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. He's good. This is the most polite I, I've been on an interview in a really long time. <laughs> oh, boy. There, there's really? nothing that I, I fear my wife is going to judge me on or uh, I think I'm going to get fired over. <laughs> so this is perfect. <laughs> it's good. There's so much more to talk about. We need to do like chapter two, man. Cause it, it cows a huge vermouth guy. Yeah. He but loves on, it. But yeah. I love what's your favorite. I mean, do, but so are, do you, so here's, here's my ask. This is my, this is my ask. 
Um, so it's not like uh, it's not like I was looking for a freebie. I just want to get in here and chit chat with you. I want to come up and make fucking vermouth in uh, Louisville. I'll keep. I put myself up. Uh, do we have a vermouth? We, we can do it virtually, or you can come to Atlanta. I don't know where we're going to do it at. We can just do it in the yeah. kitchen, I guess. But uh, well, but we could start with uh, we we could do a virtual vermouth. We could do a episode where it's me and Clay, and we kind of walk you through what making vermouth or an aromatized wine is like um and we could make a vermouth and see how it tastes like we can walk you through and you can talk us through your dream flavor profiles and uh we could try to make one because honestly you're not oh you're not gonna want to hear it you can't stand it well i'll tell you what went the the Second time I went kind of just traveling around Europe, what I, my go-to drink was just Lillet Blanc with some soda. Ooh, vermouth. Yeah. And, and, uh, just a, a twist of citrus and all oh, well, actually it's a vermouth. Vermouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, por favor, una, un vermouth. Oh, well, I mean, I can drink. I, I can drink that's them. A which is uh, order of vermouth, in, but okay. <laughs> oh, well, I went to Spain <laughs> and uh, yeah, Spain Italy. Is gin crazy. If you want to order, okay, any and gin does gin like, or sorry, Spain does gin like no other. And I know we need to wrap up, uh, but. I mean, you go there and well, you we order don't gin and tonic, gin and soda, and I mean, it comes out in a goddamn floral bouquet. <laughs> a goblet. I mean, I mean, and it's just, it is goddamn art, and you put your nose down into it to take your first sip. That doesn't have enough color to even begin to express what they do in Spain. Um, it's the best man, I can do. do. It's the best I can do. Properly. And everyone's always blown away when they're just like, oh, England and gin. I'm like, England's number two. Spain is number one wow. in gin consumption. <laughs> Insane. Uh, well, it's the Negroni. I mean, what, do you, what else are you going to do with that vermouth? Just saying. Just, Over with. Apartif. <laughs> Digestif. Ooh. Martini. Maybe, maybe, maybe a spritzer. Maybe a spritzer. Oh. I don't know. Colin, this has been fun as shit. It's man. been way Cheers. too much fun. <laughs> Cheers, Colin. Cheers, damn it. Same thing. <laughs>